The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Episode of the Flyers Talk podcast. Today is Thursday, May 7th. As always, Katie Emmer and Jordan Hall joining you guys today for another episode. A lot to get to. We're just going to go end to end, Jordan, on a couple things today. Just see our uh, hot takes come about. Eventually, very special guest, Andy Rannells. He's a Flyers equipment manager. He's been all over the place at WCHA Final Five, NCAA Tournament, Frozen Four, U.S. National Team. Others may remember him five seasons at the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, but he, since June of 2019, has been in the Flyers dressing room and on the road with them, helping out with different things. Really excited to pick his brain of a couple of memories so far. Pleasure to be having him join us. Can't wait to show that all to you later on in today's episode. But first and foremost, Jordan, you heard me say the date. It is May 7th, and it is officially eight weeks without the NHL. How are you holding up? Katie, I'm doing well, but I definitely, I definitely miss hockey. So uh, I know we've been staying busy, which has been good. But how are you holding up? You're a, you're a puckhead. Jordan, you know, I am just like you. We're trying to stay as, as busy as we can. But it's, it is a good time to just reflect and, and find, again, okay, here we go. You're turning into the Flyers Talk podcast, but here's Katie Emmer giving her inspiration of the day. I love but it. No, I, uh, I, I do like to always focus on the positives, and I really have just reflected a lot. Um, I know our producer, a podcast producer, Ben Barry, was on earlier. How are you holding up? And you were just asking that same question. To be honest, I'm losing it, Jordan. Like, I, I'll be okay, you know, yes. for anybody else that's concerned. Like, I will be just fine. Um, uh, super lucky to just, you know, be around family and everything right now. But I am losing it. Like, we need hockey. I know fans agree with that. It's so nice to, again, I'll reiterate, having those, those replays. We saw the five-overtime game up on the screens for the 20-year anniversary in NBC Philly. There's so much throwbacks we get to catch up on, a lot of Flyers history to keep us, keep us busy. But fortunately, I'll, I'll say this again, every day is a day closer, Jordan. We're going to get there, and hopefully it's sooner than later, but we're going to get there, and I can't wait for it to be back. Likewise. And, Katie, I know you're always looking at positives and silver linings, and I know maybe one <laughs> silver lining is people spending time with their families. It's so funny just chatting with Andy – We'll hear from him uh, later in the show, but just chatting with him when I first asked him to come on the Flyers Talk podcast, asked him how he was doing, and he said he was doing well. He's like, hey, I'm getting a chance to spend time with family because, you know, a guy in Andy's position is traveling a ton, going from city to city, and this could have been a crazy time for him being away from family. That was a nice little positive to hear. That interview will be coming. But first, who do you think poses the biggest threat to the Flyers in the East? Because when you look at all of these different – um, top teams. I would have to say it's probably it's the Penguins. I mean, I, when you look at this rivalry, how strong it is, and, and a lot of things, right? Are you have to consider like the return of the season? It could be the Penguins. That would be the biggest threat, right? But like overall, just just nonchalant, the Penguins, like playoffs or not, I would find is the biggest threat. Especially when you look at Malkin, seventy four points during the regular season. Um, you had Cindy Crosby to that mix. And, hey, Jordan, if we have a return here and we have the Flyers and the Penguins matching up, you're also going to see a guy named Jake Gensel who had a shoulder injury in December. He's probably making a return to the lineup. That's who I would have to say. And, of course, I think I, I may know what you're going to say, but I'm just going to lay out because there is another team, but I would have to go Penguins. Who would you think poses the biggest threat? You know, Katie, I like that, I like that pick, but I will go with a different team. Uh, the reasons I like that pick, uh, exactly, Gensel, a lot of people forget about that. Uh, he would be healthy, um, and, had, and he was huge against the Flyers in the playoffs in 2017-18. Uh, and they've always been a thorn in the Flyers' side uh, with Crosby and Malkin. Flyers fans know those guys, and they've always been difficult. I'm going to go to the Lightning. I think that would be – well, if anything, we've seen the Flyers play really well in some of the best teams in the NHL, uh, particularly the East. But they did not play particularly well against the Lightning. Uh, they had a tough time at Tampa, 
And I think they've always had a tough time at that Tampa team in terms of just the elements uh, that, they, that they bring in terms of skill, speed. In terms of Steven Stamkos. Steven Stamkos, a great goalie. That was one team that really worried me. As, if the Flyers weren't to make a really, really big run, I would worry about them getting past Tampa Bay. That was a team that I think was going to be extremely motivated, especially after last season's letdown in the opening rounds. I just thought that would be a motivated team with tons of skill, tons of speed that I think would combat the Flyers' system. And the way they want to play is be hard on the forecheck and control possession. I think that would just be a tough matchup for the Flyers. So I would go yeah. lightning, but that Penguins one is tough. I like it. I like it. And especially when you consider the Lightning in the playoffs. I mean, that team's electric, pun intended. You see what I did there? Akita Kucherov, too. I mentioned Stamkos, but Kucherov, how could you ignore this guy? 85 points in the regular season. A very powerful team, but hey, anything's possible. Overall, though, I like that because they have been a threat for the Flyers this season so far. And speaking of that, I don't know if this works. Can I give you, like, maybe another one? I'm going to go the Boston Bruins. I mean, you got to think the Flyers, you know, two and one against the Bees this season, but both of those wins came in a shootout. Like this team is always battling and you expect to see that when they're in town too, again, the Marshawn flub and the shootout, nothing better than that. Um, That was one of those two wins, but a team that just always poses a threat, I think, no matter what. Um, So I would maybe put them at number three, Jordan. So we go up Penguins, Lightning, and and maybe, I don't know if you want to put mine at number one though. I mean, if you want Lightning at number one. No, no. I'm going to say Penguins, though. That's a good one. and They're up there. Katie, the one thing those three teams have are star power. And speaking of star power, our next topic. Oh! like that segue? It's not bad, right? As our Jordan Hall would topic. say, that's hot. That's hot. I liked that. I liked that. Next topic, which I think is a really fun one, especially because we finally saw a different all-star other than Claude Giroux or Jacob Borchek the one season. Travis Konechny was the Flyers' all-star this season. So that was nice to see a little change of pace there for the Flyers, another guy that's up and coming. So, Katie, if you had to pick the next Flyers all-star, who would it be? These were so hard for me because another one, like, and this is a great topic, but I just have two. And I'm going to say the number, number, number one, but I do have, like, two possible scenarios. So I'll give you the number one. And this is like, I don't know if it's too much of a hot take, Jordan, but I see Carter Hart being an all-star. You have a guy that was in Calder consideration, of course, in that rookie year. He was a 9-1-7 last season in 31 games and now a 9-1-4 this season in just 43 games. Um, his save percentage at home also speaks for itself. This guy is a competitor. He has a focus of like beyond any guy I've ever seen in his age. His mentality can take him anywhere. That's why Flyers fans put their trust in him. But I really see, especially next season, it's your third year in the league. Like, and, and hopefully he has some more games this year to put under his belt. Hopefully it's even a Stanley Cup playoff uh, experience to put under his belt. But Jordan, I see this guy as, as you know, being one of those uh, all-stars for the orange and black next season. I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's who I'm going to put, uh, put my trust in to see out there in the all-star game. What about you? That's a good one. When you said Carter Hart, he actually completely slipped my mind. Like, it wasn't even, like, a thought. Oh, yeah? uh, but that's a really good one because – and you think once he gets in, um, you're thinking he could probably start racking them up, like some of the, you know, the really good goalies in the league that can just consistently make the All-Star game. Yeah, so you never know. He, once he gets that kind of brand recognition within the league and within the division, uh, that would be really cool to say. That's a, that's a great one, Katie. For me – I want to say Sean Couturier because I think he's on the cusp of finally getting to one, and he's really put it up the past few seasons. He's really broken out, and now he's starting to get recognition. We saw it with the midseason voting for the Professional Hockey Writers Association for the Selkie Trophy. He was number one. I think that was a telltale sign that he's starting to get recognized among among the league as one of the um, elite centers. But I'm going to go a little more under the radar guy. I think Ivan Provorov will be the next. Oh, was that your Was That, your that other was one? who I was going to say second. I, sorry, I'll, I'll let you go through. It's not about me, but great minds think alike. That's all I got to say. Yeah, you think about it. He's only 23. He plays a ton of minutes. He was really blossoming this year. He had a huge sophomore season, then kind of slipped back under the radar with his third NHL season. He had a, he had a letdown year there but then just got right back to it this year. And I think he's only going to get better and better and better. 
And he's starting to put up points. He's really starting to put up points. He's playing on yeah. the power play. I think he's going to become one of those fixtures among some of the better defensemen in the NHL, specifically within the, within the Metropolitan Division. He's starting to get that respect. We heard Rick Tockett talk about him. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes head coach talk about him very highly during the yeah. season. So I, that tells me he's starting to get that, that recognition. I think uh, I'm, I'm going to go him, and, which is cool. Travis Konechny and Provrov are both 2015 first-round picks. We've seen Konechny finally hit that all-star level um, and get that recognition from the league, and I think Provrov could be the next. That would be really cool to see. I'll go back. That was my second pick. It's like it, it was – it was definitely he was part of the consideration, especially you were talking about his point production. I looked it up again. He is um, five points short of his career best, and his career best still had 13 more games than he's played yeah. this season. So he was on pace for one of his career best seasons point production-wise. And again, that's not what you depend on for a blue liner, but that kind of cherry on top certainly helps. I mean, you want your guys to be pitching and you want guys to score. And when we had – Travis Sanheim on it was fun to be talking about that and just that chemistry with the defensemen and how they've been able to really pitch in and stand out this season especially among the leagues so that would be another guy Ivan Provorov because he certainly leads the way in that group um him and Niskanen included but definitely I could see Ivan Provorov uh jumping up there this one's kind of related to the first topic we just got into but of the rivals which do you dislike or hate the most and you know what? I'm going to have to take the word hate out because it's, it's really mean, okay? Hate's yeah. a very strong word, but we'll use dislike. Um, which, which do you dislike the most out of the rivals? And I'll tell you what, this one, I, I had, like, specific players. Like, that's a reason why. But I'll let you start. I like that because I, I personally don't really dislike many players or anything, to be real. Like, um, oh, come on. I don't. You, know, you like everyone. Well, I, I do. And I will say, like, I've always had, like, a real big appreciation for Sidney Crosby, and I know that's probably going to drive Flyers fans crazy. (laughs) But I've always just respected his game, how hard he works, how elite he is every single season. Um, And I've spoken to him, not one-on-one, but I've interviewed him before in scrums, and I just think he's a a good guy. I just don't think he's a a, a bad guy by any means. So I'm not going to go to the Penguins because I just don't really have any hard dislike for those guys. Okay. Um, I really appreciate the Capitals and what they've done. Alexander, uh, uh, Alexander Ovechkin, excuse me, is a likable guy. He, I think a, a lot of people would agree with that. So for me, I, mine's a little um, offbeat, I think, with what some Flyers fans would say. I, I'm going to go to the Devils. I just think they're just an annoying team to watch, to be honest. They've always kind of played that trap style that's just real. It doesn't – In the neutral zone, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't really lead to exciting games, but they've always kind of been annoying, boring games because uh, the, the way in which they play, and they, they seem to sometimes slow the Flyers down, and then it gets into these, um, you know, low-scoring, uh, you know, ugly games that just, for me, have never been fun to really watch. Um, and And they're kind of going through a transition phase, too, the Devils, so... Uh, I can't say I really like any of their players a ton. Uh, Wayne Simmons played for them this year. Uh, I love Wayne Simmons. Uh, great guy. Uh, but I'm going to go Devils for that reason. I just don't like the way they play. Uh, it's not fun hockey, in my opinion. Katie, okay. I'm really excited for yours. You want us? Okay, well, you did say you don't like the way they play. Overall, we have two different things going on because you chose a team, which is good. Um, I just went with players. I don't know if that's the wrong answer, but no, cool. I went with, like, the reasoning why, like, a certain team, like, the of the rivals, just what player really bothers me the most. Um, and I, again, I don't know if I'm, like, not doing this right today. I've had, like, two for each one because I can't make up my mind on one. No, I like um, I'm going to go – I'm just going to mention the fact of Tom Wilson. Um, the Capitals, uh, again, a, a tough team to play against. Didn't really feel like that with the Flyers this season. Um, like, the Flyers always took advantage of it. But Tom Wilson, just in his prime, is always a player out there that is elbows up, like, doing anything he can to stir the pot. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's a great player at that, and it's very frustrating. But – he knows how to get in your head. And also, I mean, he's so aggressive. You see some of these hits, too, that unfortunately for him have led to suspensions. But he's a player that is a physical body out there, and he's always just a tough guy to play against. But away from that, this is kind of like a different bothersome person I dislike, um, Brad Marchand. Like, of course, 
he's a part of that top line with the, the Bruins and yeah, they're productive. You can't ignore the fact he's a skilled hockey player, but like Jordan, let's just say not a fan of licking faces in the play, no. like not a fan of that at all. Um, not a fan of that style of play. I dislike that a lot. Um, and you know what? I think he loves it that we're talking about that kind of thing. Brad Marshawn, if you're listening to the Flyers Talk podcast, you know, kudos first off, like, thank you. Um, yep. Second, let's go. if he was, I'm sure he loves, you know, that he has been able to stir the pot in that way. You get in the head of your competitor. Um, I'm happy, you know, something resulted from that for him, but not my, not my style of hockey when you're looking at another guy's face. That's all I got to say. That's a Brad Marshawn. That's a funny one because I think he's not well liked, obviously by fans outside of Boston, but I, I think within the league too. I believe in that player voting that they do uh, that goes up on the NHLPA website. I believe Brad, Brad Marshawn was up there within Trash Talkers, and I remember when he flubbed on that shootout goal. I believe Sean Couturier, he was a very subtle and quiet guy. Yeah, like he, so he, nice he out even, there. He even quipped. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, when it happens to a guy like that." Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah. So that's a real fun one. I, I, I think, yeah, he's a guy that's always gotten under the skin of Flyers fans and players. Um, Tom Wilson, though, man, that's a good one, too. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I just think of the t- like, again, and you can't disregard the fact these guys are extremely talented hockey players and they've helped out with both of their franchises. But, I mean, I just, I can't stand that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I have a funny Tom Wilson story, too. Um, it was actually the, it. When, I, when I first started covering the Flyers in 2015-16. They played in the playoffs that year in the first round. And we're talking to Wayne Simmons before game one. And it turns out Wayne Simmons and Tom Wilson are actually decent friends. They've trained together a little bit. So two tough guys. And, and Wayne Simmons off the ice was, you know, always a very nice, respectable guy. He would smile and talk to you. But on the ice, like, he's the baddest dude out there. Um, and the, one of the more well-respected guys in the league. So, you know, Wayne Simmons is telling us about, you know, his relationship with Tom Wilson, and he knows he's, he's a physical guy just like Wayne Simmons, and, you know, there's a mutual respect there, and they train together. What do you know? Game one, they drop the gloves and fight. And, you know, it was a he- heavyweight fight, like two really tough guys, Wayne Simmons and Tom Wilson. And it, it was a legit, you know, heavyweight, some haymakers. Oh, yeah. Around. And after the game, Simmons was as serious as can be. And he's like, there's no friends on the ice. I do not care. Um, and it really set the tone for that series. It was really cool. It was in Washington, D.C., Flyers Capitals, um, Wayne Simmons versus Tom Wilson. And that's when I knew, like, uh, there is no joking about that whole no friends on the ice. Like, Simmons did not care, nor did Tom Wilson. Uh, I, I also feel like that's a great story. I also yeah. feel like there's, there's a different line, Jordan. Like you, you respect guys that fight, like you see the stick taps and they're like appreciative of guys getting out there and, and dropping the gloves and going at it. Cause that kind of emotion that it adds to the game again, I think the biggest difference is this is playoff hockey. Yeah. Um, there's no friends on the ice, but Wayne Simmons too is also a big difference. I don't see that guy wanting to be friends with anybody, but his teammates. And how funny is that such a mean guy on the ice, but such a great teammate overall. Yeah, seriously. And it, that was the first time I had ever covered uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, in my job. So that really introduced me to the intensity of the playoffs. Uh, the <laughs> You're like, what did I get rivalry. myself into? <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's so true. Off the ice, Wayne Simmons was just an amazing guy. I, I'll never forget any time the Flyers had some special thing within the, within the practice locker room after a practice. Obviously, the Flyers are first class. So many times they have, you know, maybe someone come in for – for a special meet and greet with players. And Wayne Simmons, you know, taller, lankier guy would get down and, you know, on his knees and would stare, you know, maybe a young kid in the eye or a little girl. And like, he was just the nicest guy off the ice. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say devils, but he's no longer on the devils. So I'm okay saying uh, the devils for my pick of rivals, uh, but Wayne Simmons. Yeah. And you, and you just sparked our, look at this transition. Are you ready? He was no longer on the Devils because of that trade deadline there. And um, yeah, now leading into our next topic, um, with this season and chaos, Jordan, should the league open the trade market? I know that's a bizarre thing to really think about. And because there's so many different things going on, like if there isn't a season, if there isn't an NHL season and you just acquired a guy to finish the, I mean, uh, a good example would be Derek Grant. Um, Derek Grant say gets picked up, um, and he's on a different team. First off was he was here for a blink of an eye with the flyers, but 
gets picked up for no season because there isn't a season. I mean, worst case scenario, there's so many different question marks, but like, do you see a positive in that? Or do you see a negative in that? Or just overall, this is fun, right? Like, like it is fun. Do you see if you were in, uh, in charge, if you were Mr. Batman in charge of this league, would you open up the trade market? I wouldn't. And it would just put general managers in such a tough position for that, for that, uh, for that fact right there is that these guys, even the general managers, they don't know if there's going to be a season to finish. And that changes everything. Like you said, Katie, if you're trading a Derek Grant or a guy that's um, basically a second half rental, in this case, he'd be a rental for 12, 13 games if they're able to finish the regular season. And then obviously he'd be a rental for the playoffs. But then you're going to lose him probably in free agency. Like that's such a tough position for a GM to say, well, yeah, I would love to acquire this guy if we play. Um, and then you think of if you're trading a guy who's probably back home in his hometown where he grew up or wherever he lives in the offseason, and then all of a sudden he's got to pick up and obviously traveling is a whole nother yeah. there right now for teams. And uh, I can't imagine being traded as all this is happening. So I think that would be another obstacle for the NHL to be like, hey, let's, uh, let's just open up the trade market again. But it is fun to think of because – how difficult would that be, Katie, in terms of the GMs um, for the players that could be traded? Would you think it would lend more towards trades for players that maybe are under contract, trades that would be more geared towards 2020-21? Because, yeah, I don't think you would want to be trading for a guy that's going to help you now. You're probably trading for a guy that's going to help you next season. Yeah, and I- – I just think overall what you said with the GMs, it's just the biggest headache you could ever think of. There's already so many uncertainties now you're thinking exactly. about. I know you know they're thinking about next season, but for Batman, he's addressed the fact like they're still thinking about this season, which you love to hear, right? Like it's mm-hmm. important to award a Stanley Cup. That's where our hope is right now, right? On that little nugget we saw mid to late May, we're holding on to that for sure. But um, I think, yeah, I think if you're trading, if you're opening up the trade market, of course you're thinking of next year, but hey, if there's going to be a playoff, if there's going to be any sort of format and you're a team that's going to be involved in that, you're looking for this season. You're looking for a guy to help you out. It's a really interesting situation because even with the trade market, it is already that like small frame of like not even half the season where you like could lend someone to somebody else and, and then there they are. And now to even think about like, okay, it could be two months or three months of just, you know, just a hot minute in that team or that city that you're playing for. It would be bizarre. So, yeah, I would think, too, I would agree with you that they're thinking about, um, you know, 2021. And just another thing, too, that I think about, like, J.G. Peugeot. Think about this player. I, I saw this um, with NHL Network. Like, he is a player that was traded at that deadline to the Islanders. He goes to the Islanders after being with Ottawa for so long. He's there for seven games, Jordan, and now this NHL pause happens. Like, think about a player like him that could potentially go somewhere else. Again. I mean, you're just – it's – it's so crazy for players like that that um, are really – and, again, we, we care mostly about our, our flyers here. But that's just another example of how away from, like, this ever happening, how the trade deadline is just so bizarre as it is. But for players like that, seven games, Jordan, and now you're on an NHL pause and you're like, oh, so, I mean, go Islanders, but also, like, I haven't really situated there yet, so I don't know how I feel. Right. I think that's like the biggest thing is it would be really almost cruel and unfair to players that are dealing with this to begin with. And then they're trying to think of when this season will resume, where are they going to play? How safe will it be? Um, And then you throw in like the potential of them being traded and having to relocate once they do resume. I think that would almost be, um, like I said, just, I I think it would be cruel and unfair for players. I know it would just, you know what it would be? It would just be straight up mean. And like, I don't know. I I know that it's like, Oh, who cares about feelings? These guys get paid to to go do this. But at the same time, you want a player really embracing the city, right? You want a Kevin Hayes that wanted to come to Philly. He knew that, you know, he would love this fan base. He knew he would love the city. And of course he had time to decide that Um, on a trade. Like you don't really have a say, of course, if you're um, restricted maybe, but like, unrestricted these guys they just they they go wherever life leads them and they go wherever they're traded so um I think at the same time you have to consider the fact that like they want they have to like want it they have to want to play there too yeah and if anything I'm sure it would be fun for 
fans that are just craving information, like I'm sure it'd be really cool to see some trade rumors surface uh, throughout this yeah. time because you know it would spark interest and and discussion. But you think too for the for general managers in the league, like with any trade, right? There's always you're weighing risk and reward. There's just way way too many risks right now if you're trading a guy. Uh, I can't imagine too many teams being too interested right now in trades. Uh, obviously, they probably did what they wanted to do with the NHL trade deadline in February, and they probably had right. that they're thinking, or at least the outlook, whether it be like a team like the Senators who were rebuilding, and now they know kind of where they are going into next season, or you're the Flyers, and you, you already have what you like. You got what you yeah. wanted at the deadline, and you were ready to go for the rest of the season. Uh, but it would be cool, at least just for – for our own sake to hear stuff. But right. I think for players, it would be unfair. And for GMs, it would be be difficult. But it is fun to talk about. No, no yeah, no, it definitely is. And just one more thing. You mentioned the, the headaches for the GMs or, you know, I mentioned the headaches, but just how much going on. They already are, you know, making moves, signing guys out of college, signing, you know, any yeah. other player. So there's still moves going on. And this would just add to that mix. I just, I think it'd be way too much. And I think it's it's kind of that control what you can con control. So like it, yeah, it would be so fun to think about. But just in conclusion, I like my belief with that this was never it will never happen. I don't see the trade market opening up um, as fun as it would be. I don't see it opening up just with the fact that such an uncertain circumstance. Of course, that we know we both know and and all fans know you don't have hockey even being played right now. But also just how many crazy things are going on. I don't think they're going to add to that list. Exactly, Katie. And, 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 you know, Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair and the whole Flyers front office, they're hard at work because they can still, you know, look at things for the future. They can discuss, you know, off-season uh, initiatives and what they need to accomplish. Obviously, they really can't do anything in terms of, like, finalizing those thoughts of what they want to do, but they can certainly prepare for it. So I'm sure they're discussing all their free agents, all their unrestricted free agents, I'm yeah, sure and, and prepare for it is a great is a great thing because yeah, there's a deadline of a guy like you know how long you have him, and if you just pulled out from under, I mean you can't control that. And I think that's a good point for sure. Yeah, and, but again, just too much unknown. You know, you don't know if this season's going to finish and how that will play into signing or not signing someone or what that restricted free agent deserves for his new deal. So just so many things up in the air. But hey, it's fun to talk about. And Jordan, speaking of fun, we've talked about just who it has to deal with this NHL lifestyle, the players, of course, but also the staff. And with that, we talked about on the top of the show, Andy Rannells, the Flyers equipment manager. So this is going to be really fun. Here you go, you guys. Here is our interview with Andy Rannells. Did you always have a love for hockey and kind of what made you have a passion for sort of behind the scenes type of job? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously Katie can probably attest to it, but, you know, every kid in Minnesota pretty much likes hockey. And, uh, you know, I just, growing up, I, I'd play with my friends and stuff. I didn't really play on many teams or anything, but we just kind of play at the parks and stuff. And then got into high school and uh, one of our counselors, or I guess he's the athletic director there now, kind of got me into it and said, you want to help the hockey team out? And I, sure, you know, it'd be, be great. And did that for four years and, you know, I, I kind of got hooked to it. And then from there, I, I kind of picked my college based off of that. There was uh, one of the dads on our team uh, knew the guy at Duluth uh, who had been there forever. And uh, so I contacted him and decided to go to Minnesota Duluth. And he got a job there for me at work and work study or whatever. And so went to school and, and helped the men's and women's team out there and, and did that for four years. And that was a lot of fun and kind of set me on uh, my path there. Uh, so yeah, awesome. yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, you mentioned it right there. Uh, I, I loved meeting you initially right away at Skate Zone. You're like, oh, Minnesota, huh? It's like that initial yeah. um, connected. Just any Minnesota people that you can find in the sport of hockey, and it's not too far. You have to look. Um, it's definitely a big sport in that state. First and foremost, before we get into anything else, how big of a St. Cloud State Husky fan are you? <laughs> I mean, how much do you love the Huskies? I just need to know. You know, to be fair, my, my high school coach, Mike Gibbons, who just uh, Oh, yeah, just there, retired. Uh, mm -hmm. I was really close with Gibby. Uh, so I had a little soft spot for him, but I can't lie, I love beating him. So <laughs> we, didn't really yeah, because... we didn't really have as much luck at Duluth beating him as when right. I was at Minnesota. But it was, uh, you know, it was, it's, it's a good rivalry. They're, they're, they're yeah. a tough team to play, especially on that big ice. So yeah, and, and you were a part. I mean, you're a, an alum for UMD, and then as you yeah. mentioned too, working at UND, North Dakota. 
how how much of a difference was college hockey in comparison to NHL? I know the game speed is different for players, but as far as being a manager, being an equipment manager, what kind of like differences from an NHL level uh, or from the college level to the NHL level have you really noticed? Well, you know, obviously the, the biggest thing is guys kind of get what they want. Uh, you know, I, I got lucky. I worked at two premier college hockey programs and, and, and the guys there didn't really want for anything, but at the same time, it wasn't as wide open as it is here. And that's one of the biggest differences that I, you know, it's a business now compared to, you know, they're still playing for the love of the game, but you know, it's guys get whatever they want. They get the tools they need to do the job. And, and so that was a big difference. And the other part was the travel, you know, like WCHA or NCHC, you'd go practice four days a week and then you'd play two games. Right. And so, and they're usually Friday, Saturday in the same cities, but you'd have the rare home at home with Bemidji or, you know, Minnesota sometimes, but the travel and, and that's, you know, the AHL got me ready for that. So it wasn't as big of an adjustment getting to the NHL. It was just travels a little easier because you're flying on, you know, a nice chartered plane, but uh, you know, the travel is probably the biggest difference. Uh, the hours, I mean, you're still working a lot in the college ranks, but you know, it's, it's a grind, especially in the AHL. And, and now what I've noticed this year in the NHL with games every other day here and, and the back to backs that are a lot, a lot tougher than people realize on everybody. So. Yeah, Andy, we found it really cool that you worked for Dave Hackstall uh, in North Dakota, and then both of you guys found yourselves in the Philadelphia Flyers organization. What was it like working for, for Dave Hackstall, and was it cool to see him make that NHL jump too? Yeah, you know, when I first got to North Dakota, I, I became really good friends with, uh, with Brett Hackstall and with Corbin Knight, who played for the Flyers last year, and, and obviously Hack was there, and, and I just – the four years I happened to work there, I just everyone always kind of joked Hack would would be in the NHL someday, or you know, not joke, but kind of was like, well, it's it's going to happen. He's going to be the guy that does it, and and it's just it, it was cool to see. Like, you know, I left the year before he ended up leaving and and, and joining, but uh, it was just really cool to see. And you know, I was I was happy for him because I mean he he works tirelessly, like he put everything into that program, and and he puts everything into what he does, and it was just. He's really inspirational. You know, he he beat me to the rink a lot of times in North Dakota, just to watch to watch video or to get ready for practice that day or on game days. And and it was just, it it's cool to see just how much work he would put in and and have you know, to advance on the NHL for him. That was that was cool to see. So and and it's it's fun. It was fun to work for him at North Dakota. You expect a lot out of you and a lot out of the team. And and you know, it's it's he's a he was a good person. So. Yeah, and speaking of putting in the work, you know, just talking about that transition from college hockey even to the AHL and then the NHL for you, you yeah. talk about travel and the differences with what guys specifically need um, in the professional level. With that being said, I feel like, you know, equipment manager, like we know you're busy, but what does your typical game day look like? I mean, what are you doing from when you wake up to the end of a game? Yeah, so we'll take a home game, for example. So we'll get up probably around 6 get to the rink about 6.30, I'll meet Harry there. If we had practice at Skate Zone the day before, and you guys will see us in the room running around getting skates and, and the goalie gear and stuff, usually after you guys leave, Harry will bring the, uh, the goalie gear and the skates over to the skate, the Wells Fargo Center, excuse me, to drop that off so it can dry overnight. And then the next morning, we'll get up and drive over to the rink uh, from Skate Zone to Wells Fargo Center, uh, get the room set up. Usually we'll have a pregame skate. Sometimes they just have meetings and, and stretches. Uh, and then the guys are kind of there until noon. They'll eat, they'll eat lunch or whatever. And, and during that time, we'll, uh, you know, get ready for the game. We'll, we'll do any skate sharpening we have to do, any repairs or any ordering that I might have to do on the computer. Just kind of there in case someone needs something. Uh, they'll leave, and then we'll kind of reset because the room will be a little bit of a mess and there'll be laundry that, that needs to get done. There'll be skates that need to get done again and a few other things like that. Uh, Usually we get like an hour dead period in the afternoon. I'll go for a run. Uh, and then, you know, pretty much three o'clock until game time is just kind of sitting and waiting for some type of event to happen. Someone's going to come in with the last second request or repair or, you know, I'll get the bench set up with the steel and the, the other stuff like that. But that doesn't really take too much time. But it's, it's pretty much just being ready in case someone needs something because more times than not, it's going to be something, whether it's just a cosmetic thing or, or whether it's, you know, someone wants to change and wear a new pair of skates or something. So just ready for that. And then obviously the game will go on. And once the game ends, 
depending on the next day, if we're going to fly out or, or what, uh, if it's just the practice of the skates on the next day, then we'll pack up all the skates and the goalie gear, uh, load it onto the truck and drive it over to skate zone, put it away. I usually get home about 11 o'clock on game days. then, So it's about seven to 11. Oh my gosh. I was going to ask, I mean, you kind of mentioned this part about being ready to order anything. Is there like a minimum amount of blades you need for each player, shields you need for each player? I mean, sticks, of course, water bottles. Is there a minimum you have to hit or does it depend on the player? It, it all depends on the player. Uh, most of our guys, if not all of our guys, have six uh, sets of steel now. Uh, it's just, it makes it so we can, it makes it easier on us and it, it's easier on them also. Obviously, they don't have to get off the bench anymore to get their skate sharpened. But yeah, so we run about six pairs of steel per guy. And, you know, some guys are stick of game guys. Some guys can go weeks without new sticks. Um, I think this year Jake Voracek went from like early to December until mid-January with the same sticks, and we just it's just amazing. And then other guys will break left and right. But you know, it all it all depends on the player, right? I mean, it's completely dependent on them as much as you need to order. So this serious grind each day, uh, Andy, and I know you you probably got really used to it at the pro level with the Phantoms. I was curious, what brought you to Lehigh Valley? Because I know you were out Midwest for a while. Uh, you're from Minnesota. But kind of was there anyone that kind of um, tipped you to Lehigh Valley or uh, any reason why you wanted to come Northeast? Uh, no, you know, I just, just wanted to make a change. You know, I, I was just kind of looking that summer just at different things. You know, I, I loved it at North Dakota. I had a good time. I just, you know, with, with the wife and kids and everything, I just we had just had our first and I was just kind of, just wanted to look at something different, you know, and, and uh, I heard about Lehigh Valley opening up and it was this team that was moving from Adirondack down to, you know, Allentown. And I'd never heard, never heard about Allentown before. I, I, I swear to you, I'd never heard the song Allentown by Billy Joel until the week I got the job. And then it honestly was on the radio every day, I feel like, but uh, it was, uh, you know, I just, just wanted something different and, and, you know, we, we got there and it was a little bit of a culture shock compared to what we were used to. And, you know, Grand Forks, which I kind of joke to people is like a four by four, four mile wide by four mile tall. And it's like a perfect grid and, you know, super wide roads and everything. And you get out East here and it's tiny roads and there's intersections where there's, you know, seven lanes and you're just, so it was a little bit of a culture shock, but it was, it was just, you know, wanted something different and, moving into this new building in, in Allentown is pretty cool. So. Yeah. And speaking of the wife and kids, I mean, how are you all holding up and where are you guys holding up right now? Yeah, we're, we're good. We're in uh, South Jersey. We live in Somerdale there. And uh, my oldest is six. She's in kindergarten. So she's been doing the, uh, the, the twice a day video meetings with her class and her teacher. Uh, and then our three-year-old she'll be four in June. She kind of runs the house right now. So that's been a bit of a, that's been a bit of a pain, but it's been fun. You know, we, we don't get a lot of downtime throughout the season. Um, so, you know, the one, one positive you can take out of all of this is you get a little bit more family time. Um, and it, it's, it's been fun to catch up with them and to do things with them. Uh, you know, some days you want to pull your hair out, but other days it's, uh, you know, for the most part, it's been great. We're, we're hanging out. We're going for a run every day. We, we go for family walks every day and, you know, they've been, they've been good with having to sit in the house uh, during these two months. So That's awesome. There's a great picture, Andy, of um, I remember Zach Hill, the director of communications and PR for the Flyers, took a picture of Phil Myers during practice. And there's this cute little girl who's like, her eyes are just lit up and it was your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you, you told me, you're like, yeah, she loves coming to practice and watching things. Uh, are your daughters becoming big hockey fans? Do they enjoy seeing you sometimes on TV on the bench? Yeah, you know, my oldest daughter is probably the, the bigger of the two fans. Uh, and yeah. she, I mean, ever since she could stand, because we moved out east when, we were, when she was about six months. So, you know, she went to all the Phantoms games that were at home. And she was always on the glass waving during warm-ups. And she'd sit and watch intently during the game. And, you know, she paid so much attention. She, she has a blast. Uh, and they, they love coming to the Flyers games now. They come to every game so I could see them for a little bit during those long uh, home games. I could see them a little bit before the game. But uh, they've started to find places now at Wells Fargo Center to stand during warm-ups. And, nice. and uh, they, they, 
they definitely like the babysitting room a little bit more now. Um, and they do a great job in there with them, with, with the girls and everybody. And, and it's, uh, but yeah, they're, they're turning into little hockey fans. We just got uh, a knee hockey set here uh, a couple weeks ago. So that's been, that's been the popular toy in the house lately. So exciting. No, yeah, I'm sure it's yeah. fun for them too to have a dad with such a cool job to go take along at the, uh, the rink and everything like that. But June of 2019, you jumped in with the Flyers. So we're coming up on almost one year. Uh, hard to believe it's already that point, of course, such an uncertain time. But coming up on one year, what's been your overall just best memory working with this team? Um, any specific player stories, any coach stories? Has there been a single highlight you've seen so far? You know, that Europe trip is, is the easy one to say because it was just such a cool experience. You know, I get, get your first game out of the way, but at the same time, you, you get to go over and see – something different you know that was that was really cool I mean I'd been to Europe uh twice when I worked with USA Hockey there the one year between North Dakota and uh Minnesota Duluth uh so I'd been over there but I was in Slovakia twice so uh nothing in Slovakia but it wasn't anywhere near as as nice as, as Switzerland was and as Prague was and so it's cool to get over there and see something new and and that was a really cool experience but one of the best parts here I think has been just watching this team from pretty much I mean all year but but from all-star break on just how fun it's been every night just really good hockey you know it, it's just been really cool to see the guys you know how well they've been playing and just that that's kind of been that, that's been the biggest highlight I think was just the last few weeks there you know that we had it was just a lot of fun and it, it, it just it, it makes you forget that parts of this are a business and you're just it was just fun it was just a game you know we were watching it it was just it was cool it's hard to explain, but it was just – that's probably my favorite part so far. Yeah, speaking of, of the fun, uh, I'm sure this individual plays a part of it, Elaine Vigneault. He just seems like he's so much fun. And just being around him, it seems like he includes everyone, Andy. Like, everyone's a me like a big part of the team. Uh, what has it been like just getting to know Elaine Vigneault work for him? Yeah, you know, he's, he's a really cool guy. He comes in every day and, and says hi to everybody. Uh, on game days, he'll, he'll come in before the game and – you know, I'll say hi, big man, to Harry, and and he'll say hi to me, and give us fist bumps, and then I'll walk down and say hi to Rock, and he'll say hi to Tuna, and uh, and then the the medical staff and the strength coaches, and it just it just it gets you, you know, like it gets you ready, kind of, you know, you, you see him, and and it just it makes you feel more involved, and and he's he's just been great. He's he's a fun guy. He's an easy person to talk to, and and you know, it's you can tell that resonates with a lot of people, and you know, just getting to know him and the whole staff it's 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 been good you know they're, they're a great group of guys and, and they've done a tremendous job this year and and it's it's fun to work with them are there any strange tendencies any strange superstitions that you've seen with any of these guys it could be coaches too but I mean you're right there you see it firsthand is there anything that's different in comparison to working with the uh, national team or college hockey or the AHL nothing nothing that different that I can think of I mean I uh, you know, I mean, does someone like to put all of their left gear on first and then their right? Like, is there someone that does a routine a little different? I, I don't think that's that different because I've heard of that routine before. Like, someone that needs to put all the equipment on on one side before the other. Anything? I, I've um, seen that before. I, I haven't seen that with this group. I mean, they someone might do that. I haven't seen that, but yeah. uh, I think it's 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 funny. G usually gets dressed pretty late. He gets dressed really fast. Uh, so that's that's kind of that's kind of funny. Um, Hager yeah. Hager will be in his half of his gear, ready to go. You know, before the guys are even in the room, and and he's usually <laughs> the first to line up and everything. So I always I always joke with Bob about that because uh, he's just he's got half his gear on, and it's you know five o'clock I feel like, and the game's not till seven. So he's just he gets ready really early. So that was that's something he he did that with the Phantoms too though. So that was. Uh, there's that one and then uh I, I I don't know I I feel like in college the guys were a lot more superstitious just because there were less games yeah. uh so there's more time to be superstitious uh you know and here there's so many games it's just it gets so exhausting to be that superstitious I think sometimes yeah. um I know talking to Corbin Knight uh the first year we had him back in Lehigh Valley there um he used to take like it, it was a big production to tape his sticks and wax his sticks between every single period and all this. And I noticed he didn't do it one day and I asked him why. And, and he said, because he sat next to some older guys when he played in Abbotsford and they told him, listen, kid, 
you're going to have a long career in this, and we play 76 games a year. He goes, you're going to get sick of this by halfway through the year. And sure enough, by halfway through the year, he stopped doing that. So his superstitions kind of went out the window. But Yeah, you don't have time. There's too many games. you gotta, you got to find something quicker, more convenient. Right? Some guys, I guess, Hazy's been wearing the same skates for over a year now, which is crazy, but, Ooh. you know, he's comfortable wow. in them. I don't know if I'd call it a superstition more than a comfort thing, but um, do a lot of those you know, guys not wear socks with their skates, or no, anybody you know, barefoot in their skates? Nobody does that anymore, especially because we we strongly encourage the uh, the Kevlar socks. Um, everyone wears the Kevlar socks now, so um, I can't remember the last person I had that didn't wear socks. Well, you know what, Chris Stewart <laughs> did for a while at the beginning of the year, but he he ended up wearing the Kevlar socks. So it's. Uh, I don't know if I could even do that. That's <laughs> same. I'm like, yeah. I was in disbelief when I would uh, see that happen growing up. Um, I, another thing too, sharpening skates is that, is that part of your? That's part of your duties, right? You mentioned there, yeah, I mean, you I mean, have to know the preference. Oh, sorry, but you have to know the preference of each player. Correct? Is there someone that has a really complicated style that they have to have their blades every game? Is there, or you're used to this maybe at this point? Yeah, at this point, you're used to it, and. You know, I, you know, most of the guys hollows kind of off the top of your head. I mean, we have a sheet in the room that we kind of go off of if for whatever reason we're having a brain fart that day. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, nothing's too crazy now that, you know, I, maybe when I was at North Dakota, if I had some requests that I had on, on the skates that I do now, I'd be a little more shocked. But after seeing the different things the last, you know, six years now of pro hockey, it's not as, it's not as unusual. Um, I know Oscar, Oscar Lindblom has a little bit different of a, uh, of a profile on his skate. He's got like three different uh, profiles, uh, the shape of the bottom of the skate. Oh. So that's a little bit different, but you know, it, it's nothing too crazy um, that I've noticed. So being so close to the bench, Andy, I, I wanted to ask if you can, is you probably hear a lot of trash talk, I'm sure during games. Uh, yeah. If you can say, is there any, any teammate or, or flyer, obviously, that uh, is a little more vocal or, or one of the most vocal during games? <laughs> you know, I, honestly, I, I don't hear it as much as I did in, the, in uh, the AHL. I don't know if it's just I was listening to it more then or if more of it was going on then. I know it just as much is going on. Um, <laughs> the big one I picked up on was there was a, there was a picture uh, that someone had put on Twitter of the game against the Rangers uh yep. later in the season and you've got you've got uh hazy lots and tk going at it with uh lemieux oh, yeah. i believe and you know, so that was <laughs> that was pretty fun and that I, I think that group of people is probably the the three that you know talk a lot i mean you hear them on the mic'd <laughs> up right so, yeah so, but as far as that i mean I, I i don't hear it as much but it is what it is, right? You're at this yeah. point, you're just, you're used to it, but it's got to yeah. be fun. I'm sure, uh, you know, I've, I've had a, a job too, working between two benches um, as a reporter and just, I know that feeling down there. I mean, you just, you can't help but laugh at some of the things that yeah. you hear sometimes, but you have to, you have to stay professional, you know, right. stay forward, but I'm sure you have a lot of fun um, down there right on the bench for games, especially yeah. this season. Yeah. And, and thinking back, uh, I, I don't know, Flyers fans will probably remember his name. I, he didn't get a chance up top here, but uh, Colbar drove down in Lehigh Valley was yeah probably the most I ever heard run his mouth on the ice and he was he was always <laughs> funny about it him and Nick Cousins actually uh, yeah down there they were a lot of fun those ones were fun to listen to because that would always happen right in front of the bench so it was easy to easy to hear but uh yeah or so. was always like he played so hard in training camp yeah. like he was always hitting people and that does not surprise me. I can, I can envision or imagine him kind of being a little bit of a talker. We were playing the Marlies. Uh, I think it was the 16-17 season. Maybe the eight. I'm trying to remember what year it was. It was one of the playoff years with the Phantoms. And we were playing the Marlies in the regular season. It was, we were both two of the top teams in the league that, at that point in the year. So it was a pretty, pretty high-profile game. And, and uh this one guy was kind of giving it to Bards in front of the in front of the net, and Bards didn't want to fight or anything like that. But the kid just pushed him enough, so Bards kind of yells, "Oh, really?" and turns around and, and punches him, and, and that's what they used on one of their promo videos for the longest time. So every time I see that, I just, <laughs> oh. I'd always laugh, and I can just hear Bards saying it, and just remembered the whole aftermath of all that. But it was just that was yeah, that was 
that was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cause fans can see that side, but you know, you see a whole different side of these, uh, these players. I was going to say earlier, just, I used to be a ref. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you like yeah. that one a little bit. It's all I can think about with Kevin Hayes. Like, Great. has he, like, how many times does he use that one? Or was it really just that one game we heard him mic'd up, Andy? I don't know if you heard that um, during the game, but where did that come from? Like, is this just Kevin Hayes? For you? I, I think that's just him. I, I'd only heard it that one time <laughs> on, the, on the mic'd up, and then we were watching it. The girls were watching it the other day. They were watching flyers mic'd up and highlights and stuff, and I heard that again, and I just, I had to laugh. I <laughs> I hadn't heard that one before. I don't know the story behind that, but uh, but that was pretty good. I liked that one. So. The creativity uh, with him and his nicknames, too. Yeah. You just got to give him appreciation. Yeah, does, uh, Andy, does he have a nickname for you by any chance? Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of, everyone just kind of calls me Andy. Uh, some guys were calling me Randy. I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I heard I you say, I heard you say earlier, like, tuna. And some different names. Can you just yeah. can you elaborate on any of these um, nicknames that you have going on? Yeah. So I mean, it, there's me, right? And then there's Harry. Yep. Uh, Harry's been here for thirty. He's been here forever, and and he uh, they call him like, every once in a while. They call him Bricks because his last name's Bricker. Uh, there's Rock, who's uh, Anthony Oratorio. He's worked he's worked for Flyers forever as well. They call him Rock. I don't know the story behind that one. Uh, we <laughs> you have just an, call him Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have another guy. Uh, who uh, works with the equipment staff, and he also does the uh, the trucks and everything. And that's nice, Tuna. His name's Mike. I, I don't know okay. the story behind Tuna either, but his nickname's Tuna. And then uh, we have another Mike who uh, runs Skate Zone, basically. You guys, I'm sure, know Huggy. Yep. And his nickname yep. Huggy. So those are kind of the nicknames that we have right now. And I'm kind of the only one that doesn't really have one, but it's, uh, you know, time will tell, I guess. I'd they called yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason through high school and college. They called me Ronnie. I have no clue why. Okay. Uh, so it was kind of caught me off guard one game when Niski said that to me because I was at Duluth uh, for two. Years. I was uh, freshman at uh, Duluth with Niskanen. So oh. it kind of caught me off guard when he said that. Oh, one that's fine. The game. So I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. So fun to have Andy on with us today. What a fun interview. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Thank you so much, Katie Emmer. And yes, thank you, Andy. Always great to get perspective of folks that work behind the scenes. They work incredibly hard. So great insight there from Andy. And that is your latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.